may not want to hear today's beatitude if you've read ahead, you know, for that. I read ahead and it's like, oh my goodness. But I believe it's important and it's interesting because when we were up in Conway at the birthday party, I was talking to Bob and I said, you know, I was going over the message up there and in the midst of birthday and 600 kids that were there, it's all dressed like Elsa. That was, you know, testosterone just fell away, just fell away through that, that little dive. It was, it was amazing there. But as I was praying about and kind of looking over the message and so forth, I just kind of started feeling a nudging of the Lord. And, um, and it was kind of along this line was that as we, we go through this last beatitude, and the last beatitude is blessed are the persecuted. Okay, and I didn't write it. It came in. The, it's in Matthew 10. You know, it came there. And uh, but as I was just praying about that, the Lord just spoke to me and said, "This has application now." That we're that I think that the message I'll be sharing today is very, very important because um, I, I just feel like that we're in a time and a season and a critical mass type situation as a nation and just beyond that of where things could radically change. So this message is one to encourage you, strengthen you, prepare you, and anoint you for the days ahead. Okay? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that, that you came and that you were the word of God incarnate. But Lord, that your life also taught us the word of God incarnate. We just ask, Lord, today that, that as I teach and as we share and look together at this passage of scripture and look at uh, this last beatitude and close out the beatitudes that we've been looking at. I pray, Lord, that you would just bring an incredible anointing and impact and a wisdom that, Lord, you would use this to prepare us, Lord, whether something happens tomorrow or the next day or weeks or months or, or beyond our lifetimes. Jesus, we want to always be ready. We want to always be focused in your presence and your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, we're going to look again in Matthew chapter um, 5 and start in verse 3. I'm just going to read the Beatitudes all the way up to um, into verse 12 and uh, go from there. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And by the way, these are available in CDs in the back for free. And also there should be coming up on, on the podcast that Jason's doing up in Philadelphia back to here that we can get off the internet here. So those are available as well off our website. Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn for they'll be comforted. Blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. And that's where we've been to, that's where we were last week. And all of those were, again, almost as if the blessings of God and the blessings of God in different areas and applying those to our lives. But now in verse 10, we, there's a shift, there's a change. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Now, I don't know about you, but that's... That, that verse almost doesn't seem to make sense. You know, you're blessed because you're being persecuted. It's like, no, you know, it's like, what, what do we say when we feel like we're being persecuted? I rebuke you, devil, or rebuke, you know, we, we can throw in all these things. And sometimes I think the Lord would say, why are you rebuking me? And like, oh, no, no, don't do that. 
have to understand that. But it, it's an incredible shift here because blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Now, what he's saying here is we can get in trouble all by ourselves and it has nothing to do with righteousness. And so we can be persecuted, we could end up in jail, we can end up in prison, we can end up in a mess, all kinds of messes. But this is not talking about those. These are talking about God-ordained situations, circumstances. In verse number 11, it goes on, it says, Blessed are you when people insult you. Now, don't you just love to be insulted? Persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. I've heard people before say, if there's one thing I can't stand, I can't stand someone saying something about me that's not true, you know, or, or, or comes across that way. And here's the Lord's response in that. When this happens, when people insult you, when they persecute you and say falsely things against you, evil against you, rejoice and be glad. Again, it seems paradoxical. Because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. In other words, what the Lord is saying in relation to this parable is that we need to understand, you know, because I don't know about you, but in my heart, I cry out to the Lord every day. I cry out in my prayer time and my, and, and my time in the Word and just sometimes when I'm driving, if I'm driving by myself, I'll pray in tongues and just pray in the Spirit and, and cry out to God. But, but in doing that, I'm crying out for His I'm crying out for his presence. I'm crying out for what he wants. I'm crying out to, to receive and be what he has in that, even if it means persecution, even if it means difficult places and difficult times. But he says, rejoice, be glad, because our reward, great is our reward in heaven. You see, the, the difficulty for us, especially in a message like this, is we're so earthly focused that we forget our heavenly heritage. We forget that that this is all a warm-up, this is all preparation, this is all bring us to the time that we're forever in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. No more pain, no more suffering, no more anything. You know, we preach those things at funerals, but you know, guess what? God's not the God just of the dead, but he's the God of the living, right? And so he wants to remind us now, even when times are difficult, in many cases he's allowed or he ordains those, and, through, and during these times he will build in us character, he'll build in us anointing, He'll build in us his purpose that will allow us to uh, do what he's called us to do. So um, one author I read talked about when it got past blessed in verse 10, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Then he says, blessed are you when people insult you. And what he's talking about there is that you could say the beatitude here, blessed are those who are persecuted and blessed are those who are insulted. You know, I mean, it just, that's one of the things, again, that kind of, presses against our flesh, we, as if we're insulted, someone says something. But one of the things that we need to see as we work our way through this is recognize that when we have something in our flesh or our emotions or attitude that kind of builds up, that we need to say, oh God, thank you for showing me this area that you want to heal. Thank you for showing me this area that I need to grow in and that I need to reflect your glory and your attitudes and your heart and not my reaction to, to my own negativity in that. So let's just talk about and kind of work our way through this. And um, as we've been looking from Matthew 5, verse 10 through 11, let's talk about some things in persecuted and slandered. You know, one of the things involved is that of rejection. Now, I, I won't ask for raising hands, but when we feel rejected, you know, and, or have a, a spirit almost of rejection in that, that we just feel, you know, like we're targeted and we're, we're persecuted and we're rejected in that, 
One of the things that sometimes we feel like is someone says something that insults us, whether it was intended or not. And that doesn't mean everything that someone says to us is from God, by, by no means. But God can use even times that were insulted, even times that were slandered, even times that were persecuted, especially in those times. We can cry out for God's justice. We can cry out for his purpose. We can cry out for him to level the scales so that what the enemy has tried to bring against us, that God can take that and turn it and release instead anointing and, and the moving of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And that's, again, what we understand the balance here is that we're not just looking at the narrow picture. We're looking at the whole picture of what we're going to be facing in that. And it's also interesting as we're looking here that, he's, that the Lord clarifies for us. He says, you know, blessed are you and persecuted and, sh- and slandered because of righteousness and right standing. I mean, we can get in trouble and it has nothing to do with God. You know, we get in trouble because we said things or done things or, or, or didn't do things in, in that. So it's not talking about that. It's talking about righteousness and, and a simple way of saying righteousness is right standing or right relationship. You know, that if we're persecuted because of that, because of, of standing for the right and, and, and for righteousness and all that's involved in that, we have to remember that that we live in an age and in a time of where the enemy is attacking and he's bringing that, inje- he's bringing that rejection, insults, slander. You know, literally the word slander means to devour the flesh, you know, or to nitpick the flesh. You don't have to raise your hands, but you could probably, and you don't even try to think of them now, but you've already, I've already said it, you could probably think of people that, that have done that to you. Well, if, if, if you do think of that and it does it kind of stirs you some. Well, that's just the Lord showing you, hey, this is an area to deal with today. This is an area to be free in. This is an area that we can rejoice in the blessing. Remember that the Beatitudes were the blessedness of. You know, it's the blessing of God when he allows us to go through these things because he's showing us what's in our hearts and what's really the cry of many of our hearts is, God, we want to be clean. God, we want to be pure. God, we want to be a vessel for your presence. For your presence. And so the Lord has, has already written this in for us in that. Look at Luke chapter 6 and verse 22. Luke 6 and verse 22. This is um, Luke's version of um, the Beatitudes. And so we're just going to look at the Advents. Let's just look at verse number 22. Luke 6, 22. Blessed are you when people hate you. Oh, yeah, I just feel that blessing all over me. When they exclude you, when they insult you, when they reject your name as evil, and here's the kicker, because of the Son of Man. In other words, that the reason this is coming upon you is because of your relationship with the Lord Jesus and your relationship with the body of Christ. It's not just talking about our own trouble we get into. And so this is, again, this is kind of tied into the Beatitude through, through Luke as well, but I, it just makes it very clear there, you know, that, and look what it says in verse 23. It says, when they reject you and because of the Son of Man, rejoice in that day. Leap for joy. You know, can, would it be something, you know, no matter how many we had in church that day, would it be something if there were, there were people outside and we came out of church today and we're all jumping up and down and hollering and, and you know, and just for joy and they're saying, what is up with you? said, oh, I've just been persecuted and slandered. They'd say, oh, let us get the funny car to take you away, you know, deal with this, the whole process. 
But that's what Jesus' attitude, even about suffering, was that, what does Scripture say? For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. How in the world could we imagine that the cross was an instrument of joy? I mean, every, I don't like splinters. You know, I mean, splinters hurt. You're at a deep splinter. I don't like splinters, but, but you know, to, have, to be impaled like Jesus was and to die that horrible, horrible death, and on top of that, to, to die taking on all the sins and all the, the disease and everything else that we have so that the, the slate is wiped clean in that. Jesus is thinking of that when he says rejoice. When you're persecuted, rejoice when people hate you. Rejoice when they reject you. Because great is our reward in heaven. And really what we're looking at as we're closing this up today is that we're trying to understand that we live, need to live under the covering of the kingdom of God. We need to live under the, under the, the shadow and under the, the cloud, you might say, of his presence that has to do with heaven. We need to live our lives being focused not on just the here and now, but on the there and then and what the Lord wants to do in the here and the now in our hearts and through our lives and through that process. Okay? One of the things, another description of persecuted is, you know, blessed are those who insult you, who slander, and as, as we just read, those that hate you. You know, that they, they really detest you. There's a burning desire and a dislike and a seething, you know, and one of the ways that happens in rejection is sometimes people don't say anything, they just don't invite you to the party. And again, I'm not going to have you raise hands, but, but, you know, there's times when we find out something going on, and maybe it's someone that we were close to, and we weren't invited, and immediately what do we feel? We feel that rejection, we feel that being left out, we feel like, Oh, they, you know, they've gotten angry or whatever else. And, and that's, again, as we look through this in Scripture, has application in Scripture, but also has application for us as well. Let me just tell you two or three little small, couple of small stories when I was in high school. Nothing serious as far as persecution or anything, but it was kind of interesting, just in a small area. And this was, it's been a few years ago. But I remember in high school, I, um, I always loved the Bible, and and. I've gone different times of whether I like the bigger or smaller Bible, but I think I had a Bible this size with a case that size. That was very popular in those days. And so I brought it with me to school every day. And um, it was amazing because and it was never really hostility that came, but I had so many people stop me in the hallway, you know, or if I'm out in the front and I'm reading the Bible or whatever, and they're like, do they teach a class in that here? I was like, not to my knowledge. You know? <laughs> They took a good speech class I took and there were a few other things, but I said, nope, I don't, not to my not. And they said, well, why are you carrying that big Bible around? And I said, because I want to read it. You read that book? And I have to understand, these weren't pagans that were asking me this question. These were guys that I knew from the churches across the town of Menden. They were asking, they were, they're just puzzled that I would want to read the Bible. And that, that just, and I wasn't, you know, it didn't upset me. It really wasn't like persecution or anything, at least in that point. But it was something I remembered that, that even in high school, that that was there, that having the Bible. There was another time, it was interesting, um, I went to, we were part of a Methodist church, and across the street was a very large uh, Baptist church. And um, I got to, I went to there on Sunday nights, 
I remember when I first showed up and they had, oh, I can't remember what the Southern Baptists had. There was some kind of a game that they did, that finding scripture and things like that and all. And I remember doing that because I remember the first night I could find the passages faster. And the, the teacher's like, how can this Methodist be finding scripture faster than us Baptists? You know, it's kind of, but that wasn't the persecution part. But it, I just I enjoyed that, and, and they had a music group called the Everyday People that I played guitar and sang in, and so I got to do a lot of that as well. But I had an interesting thing that was happening um, uh, when I was, because I would play in front of people. This particular church, none of the, up to that time, none of the children played guitar. And, um, and this was just acoustic guitar and all. And so when the service was over, I would have parents come up, this is a very large church. If you all know Amendment's uh, church there, the Baptist church. But people would come up to me, bringing their children, and they would talk to me. You know what they wanted to know? Wow, how, you know, what kind of guitar do you recommend? And what this or that? And, and, that, and it was great. I, I loved it. I'd talk to them everything. And, and I probably spent 10 or 15 minutes, seemed like every Sunday, talking to people. And then one day I got a call from um, an interim um, music pastor of the church. He said, I need you to come in. I need to talk to you about something. I said, okay, sure. And, um, and when I remember when I went to it, it's almost like I felt when the Lord said, just be at peace. This is okay. You know, and, and in other words, listen, don't react. That's, that's real important when we're looking at these. And so came in, and, and this was actually a new guy that I didn't know very well. He started talking to me. He says, well, this is really kind of awkward. And, and I want you to know that if it were me and it were my decision, my choice, that I would just say, this is silly. But he said, I'm just an interim here and, you know, and everything else. And I said, well, what's the problem? And it was interesting because as he was talking, the Lord told me what the problem was going to be. Because I, I suddenly had a picture of, of the parents coming up with their kids to talk to me on Sundays. And, um, and I said, oh, what's the problem? He said, well, um, the senior pastor just doesn't want you to play guitar. Anymore. I said, oh, is it, am I too loud? Is it offensive or anything else? I said, no, no, I don't, I don't think it offended anybody. And I, I probably sinned here because I was toying a little bit because I, I, I knew what was going to happen. But I, I was, so I said, oh, okay. So what, so what was the problem? And he says, well, he said, he said if I had the power, I, w- I, would, I would deal with this. But he said, um, the senior pastor came to me. And he doesn't want you to play your guitar anymore, or be a part of the group or anything else. And um, because, and I said, well, why? Why was that? And he said, well, you know that when on Sundays when people would come up front and talk to you about the guitar and everything. And and I said, yeah. And he says, well, the pastor saw that, and he knows that you speak in tongues. He, you know, he know he knows that you believe in the Holy Spirit. And I said, well, had I ever said or Oh, no, no, nothing at all. It's just he's totally uncomfortable. He said, and if I were on staff, I would fight this for you. I said, it doesn't matter. It's fine, you know. And so I had to drop out of the, the uh, team, kind of the music team that we did and didn't go. But I remember that I was just so puzzled that, you know, a little, little nobody like me and a pastor of, you know, a thousand people could be intimidated because I would talk to some parents about what kind of guitar they might want to get their child. But as I look back now, I realize it, it was a form of persecution. 
You know, probably, I mean, I, did, I was glad, I, I think I, since I didn't get upset, I passed the test, and that was good. That was important, because I don't like having tests. <laughs> I like passing them the first time. But that was a little bit of rejection. I mean, it was nothing like, you know, being excommunicated, you know, and some of the other things that we see in the Bible, but it went my own way. That was, that was a little thing there that, that, um, that happened to me that showed me a little bit of what rejection was about in that. And again, it's, re- it's rejoice, you know, rejoice, leap for joy. And I'll admit I didn't jump up and down leaping in front of the, that music guy, but we had, a, we had a good visit, and he understood, and it, he, he was spirit-filled, so we had a great time together. All right, so we're talking specifically here about some of the rejections, some of the things that take place in that. The reason that we have persecution and slander can be because of our righteousness, our right standing, it can be because the enemy, you know, uh, Jesus talks about that the foe or the prince of the air would, would come, that the enemy would come, that we might have demonic attack or things like that. Um, it's important that we're talking about this, that we're focusing on the fact that this is suffering because of our relationship with Christ. It's not because of things that we said that we're just, you know, these, these are specifically focused to areas in our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and how we're affected in that, in that whole process. Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. Okay, there it is. That's the problem with a big Bible. It's hard to find your markers after that. All right. 1 Peter 4, verses 12 through 16. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come to you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. I mean, I could see reading that easily the other way. But, you know, this is to us. It's like, verse 13, Rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you're insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. You know, we need to take away our default reaction of, 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 of that and, and take it over to the default of we are blessed when the enemy tries to attack us. We are blessed when the enemy tries to bring persecution, even if it's through family or friends or others. We're blessed in that need to understand that. And he goes on, and, and we'll look at some more of that passage. Let me, let's just go on down to, I'll read through verse 16. It says, If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any kind of criminal or meddler. But if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear his name. For it is time for judgment to begin. And where does it say? It is time for the judgment to begin upon all the bad guys. Is that the way we want to write it? It is time for, for judgment to begin with God's household. And it will, if it begins with us, what will happen for the outcome for those who not obey the gospel of God? So he's again showing us, verse 19, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to the faithful creator and continue to do good in the process. All right, so going on here and talking about uh, persecution and what's involved in that. Um, Jesus was very clear to his disciples when he says, come follow me. 
He gave them the red tape. He told them very clearly, you know, that, that you may give your lives, that there will be times you may not have food or other, other difficulties, and, and people are going to hate you. They are going to exclude you. They are going to betray you. Um, you know, that, that those things are going to be taking place, and, and he just let them know this up front. But you see, the disciples came to Jesus because they were drawn to him by the presence of God that was upon him. And at the time, I'm sure they were going, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But they probably weren't listening as much because they were focused upon just the presence of God and wanting to be a part of of traveling with Jesus, and they hadn't read the fine print yet. You know, the, the fine print was there, and Jesus showed the way all the way for us on the cross. Jesus always was up front with his followers. He told them, you know, what it was going to go. He told them of the great cost, of counting the cost. John chapter 15. John 15 and verses 18 through 20. If the world hates you, keep in mind it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would... It would love you as it is as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world because I've chosen you out of the world. This is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you. A servant's not, a great, not greater than his master. If they persecute me, they'll persecute you. And that's something because Jesus was persecuted, we fall in that same heritage of, of, pers- of being able to, to follow into that. Not that we're looking for it or striving for it or trying to cause it. But again, it's obeying the Lord, following that in that whole process, and we can see that for that. So the result of persecution in the Old Testament, one of the things that just reminds us of what happens when the enemy brings his persecution, in Exodus chapter 1, verse 12, when the enemy came to attack the children of Israel, the more that the Israelis were oppressed, what happened? The more they multiplied. You know, that, that God's provision came when stress came, when duress came, when slander came, when attack came. That's when the Lord would provide for him. That's when the Lord would, would do what he had uh, called to do in his, in, from his word. And Daniel chapter 3 and verse 25, you know, you know this story. But Daniel chapter 3, verse 25, this is a story of, of Meshach, uh, Shadrach, and Abednego. And... Um, they have come before the king. They wouldn't bow. And because they wouldn't bow when the, the, the statue that was there and when the horns would go off, they wouldn't bow. And they were executives. They were kings. They were an authority under the king. And he became very angry. And he said, bow now or we're going to kill you. And he said, nope, we're not going to bow the knee. And so they bound them up and, and made sure they were bound up very uh, where they could not get out. And they took a fire and they heated the fire seven times more than they normally heated it before they threw them in the fire. And it was so hot that, that when, the, when they were doing that, that it killed those that were throwing them in the fire. And so they're thrown in the fire in this incredible fire and horrible thing in the natural. And in the midst of that, the king looks out and he sees that they're walking around in the fire and they're alive. And they're not screaming. They're not, they're not upset. As a matter of fact, they're probably at peace and great joy because there's a walking companion that they have with them in the fire. And so the king looks out and says, one, two, three. He said, who's that, who's that last guy? 
He looks like, you know, he looks like an angel. He looks like, looks, and, and, and they said, King, we're okay. And they come out, and when they come out, they don't even have the smell of fire upon them. You ever been around a fireplace? Ladies, have you ever had to wash clothes that have been around somebody's window? I mean, that smell is there, right? But not only did the fire not burn them when persecution came, but it, was, it, it saved them. It was the glorious presence of God was there for an incredible witness, an incredible witness. And because of that, God's presence was there, even the persecution, even in the attack. Now, you say, what about Daniel? Well, he got his chance later. He got to spend the night with some lions. And, uh, and it turned out pretty well, too. But again, and one of the key things you see in these, that even if it didn't turn out the way they wanted, none of these would bow the knee, and none of these would, would say that they were going to go to that. Instead, they were going to face whatever it was that came against them. We see then from the Old Testament and from the New Testament as well, that whenever there was fire, whenever there was attack, whenever there was um, slander and um, the other things that were taking place, we're looking at this, that they always helped to spread the gospel. They always helped in what we call the dispersion, that when you know, they would huddle together, but when, when persecution started coming and slander started coming, then they would scatter into small groups all around. And as a result of this, we, we believe the New Testament church that there were a lot of churches that became very, very large. And wherever the people scattered because of persecution, and guess who was one of the guys leading the persecution? A guy named Saul, who became Paul. And his specialty was, was taking families and tearing them apart and throwing them in prison and having them killed. Now, this was God's number one choice to carry, carry the message on. You know, isn't that something? But what the Lord said was he was showing him you know, he was preparing him, prepared Saul to become Paul for, for the work that the Lord had for him. The Lord said he was going to let him suffer a lot, suffer much in that. And it wasn't because of all his badness, but it was because that the Lord, again, was using him as a vessel in that process, doing that. So we, we see that with him. You know, a church, or when we say a church, I'm not just speaking of, of a church like this, but when the body of Christ comes under fire... And we get fearful of that. We need to understand that when the church is under fire, that's the time that the purity comes. When the difficulties come and we're forced to, to bow the knee to the Lord and to cry out to God and say, Lord, would you just show us and take us through this and no matter what it is. It's during those times that the Lord's fire brings purity in our hearts, purity in our lives. I believe the Lord's taking us are allowing to, to take us, and it's probably been in his plan forever because he always knows the beginning of the parade to the end of the parade. But I believe in the days, weeks, months, years, whatever we have that, that we have before us, that we're going to start seeing more and more persecution. I mean, you don't have to be prophetic to do that. If you just watch some news programs that tell the truth a little bit, you'll see that the values of this nation that, that we grew up in have drastically changed. And that things that you could say and do in, in the past, you can't do now. You know, that you can't, literally, there are places in the nation right now that if you, if you raise this Bible and you preach and you, you teach what this Bible says, they, and this has been true in Europe for years, they would throw, in Europe, they would throw people into, into um, 
prison. They would even pay people to go to services to catch them saying things from the Bible, and then they would put them in prison. The same thing has already happened in Canada. Don't think that just because we don't, you know, that we live here that we're out of it. Because understand that the enemy right now is stirring up principalities and powers, and he's bringing his attack, and his attack is against the body of Christ and Christians and believers, and that's because that's the only thing left that there's hope for in this land. It's for the people of God to say yes to the Lord and yes to whatever it costs to see him bring about his purposes and not just so be focused upon our own selves, our own benefits, and our own things like that. And, it, and it, you know, we may be here with the Lord till we die our natural deaths. It may not be that soon. But I just have a sense we need to be ready that if persecution comes in small amounts or large amounts, that our heart and our system is ready to focus and understand what our attitude should be, how we should respond in those. As we read Matthew 5.12, we said, Rejoice, we're in a great heritage and the cloud of witnesses. That's what it's all about. Luke 6.23 says, Leap for joy because we're being identified with Christ. You know, the devil thinks that you're important when he attacks you or when he attacks me. You know, it's, it's interesting. There was, and this was a, years ago, I heard someone talk about this. But he was talking about John Wesley. And that John Wesley, you know, was a tenor preacher, very powerful, just really changed and turned a whole nation. But one day he was sitting down, you know, under a tree, and, um, and he just started thinking about that he hadn't been persecuted because it was, per, it was a regular thing that was persecuting and so he just started crying out to the Lord and says, Oh, Lord, what, what, what sin have I done? What's wrong? You know, there's no one's attacking me. There's, there's nothing going wrong. I don't understand. Well, unknown to him, the other side of, you know, the shrubbery where he was, there was someone there, and he got tired of hearing him. He threw an apple over and hit, hit Wesley in the head, and he goes, Oh, thank you, Lord. <laughs> you, know, you know, an apple's better than other things probably there. But, you know, just to have that attitude, it's like, to be concerned that things go well all the time. It's like, well, what's wrong with me, Lord? You know, what's wrong with me? There was another thing I, in my study I came across. There was a season in Korea of where uh, different denominations and pastors and, and um, people from the body of Christ were being arrested. And this one particular one, there were 37 Presbyterians that jailed, were jailed, but only one Methodist. And there were Methodists that were outside that saw... Uh, the Presbyterians being jailed, and this was their response. Does the Lord not count us worthy? We're a long way from the, from the Bible sometimes. You know, it's like, wow. It's one thing to cry out and get an apple in your head, but it's another thing to knock on the doors of these guys and says, hey, wait a minute. You know, if the Presbyterians are going to, you know, we want you to know that we, we believe in God too in that. Acts 5.41, People, Peter and the disciples come before the Sanhedrin, and their response was that they were counted worthy. That when they received times of attack and they received that, and a lot of that's because Jesus had front-ended and prepared them for the time that was there. Remember in Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas? Paul and Silas are ministering in a town. As they're ministering in a town, there's a young gal that's there, and she has what's called a spirit of divination, Literally, that just means she had a demonic spirit that was attached to her, and that demonic spirit would feed information. And so she would go around, and her, the slave owners that owned her 
literally made money because she could tell people things and they would pay. And so Paul kept seeing that and, and as, as he was walking along and as, as Paul and Silas, but as he saw that, he finally just got so frustrated at, at this gal that was just totally under the, the presence of this demon and controlled by that and being manipulated and used. And so he just cried out and, and calls, asked for the Lord to get rid of the demon and the demon left. The demon was gone. Well, the money chain, the ones that, that owned the, the girl, saw that their, their money was gone, their source of money was gone. And they became angry, and a, and a ruckus came up. That's a, that's a spiritual word. A ruckus came up, and, and the end result of it was Saul and Cyrus, Paul and Cyrus, got thrown into prison, in the deepest prison, in the dark. And it's scripture, remember, talks about them at midnight. They started singing hymns. I wonder why it took till midnight. But anyway, they started worshiping God. And it says that when they were worshiping God, the other prisoners were listening. You know, if in times of difficulty and times of duress, the body of Christ would be known for its worship of God, its love of God, its peace with God, it would turn heads too. Doesn't matter what city or state or nation or anything. It would, it, would, it would make a change. And so we see that. We saw that's the way that the apostles did. You know, they, they, they were in prison and in darkness, and they sang praises to God, and he brought an earthquake, and he set them free. And when they were set free, the prisoner stayed, and, and, the, and the jailer was going to kill himself, and Paul said no. And he went in, and that night he led the jailer to the Lord, and the entire family of the, of the jailer was, was led to the Lord. That's, again, responding and not just reacting to a difficult place. And that falls right in lines with the Beatitudes in that. Second Timothy 3.12 says, All who live godly lives will be persecuted, and I wrote, to one degree or another. You know, if we want to follow the Lord, you know, it may be an apple. It may be losing a position somewhere. Or, you know, something, some of the things that I'd mentioned before. But we just have to understand that. That Jesus has told us, Luke 21, 12, 17 says, All men will hate you because of Christ. That the early, as we said, the early church suffered intense persecution. We saw this with Stephen. We saw this with the others that I've already mentioned in that. So as we're closing, we need to understand that this is part of what the attitudes that we have and the attitudes that we have as we look at the sources of persecution that can come against us, it could come from government. It could come from the devil or tied into the others. It can come in our family. It can come in our job. It can come in our church in different places. But we have to decide, as we have to decide now in our walk with the Lord, Lord, I want to have the attitude that you had. And the attitude, the beatitude that you had in relation to this was even in times of attack, even in times of, of um, difficulty, even in times of being said things that were slanderous and, and all the other things that can that come. And if you read, we didn't read a lot because this would have taken hours. But if you read the passages and the examples we have in Scripture, you see that followers of the Lord Jesus had counted the cost, they knew the cost, they were told the cost, and they stayed with it no matter what it cost. And because of that, they affected and, and infected and filled nation upon nation with the presence of God. And that's God's heart for us. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence. We thank you, Lord, that 
that even though there's difficulties that come, even though there are times that we are persecuted, even though there are times that the persecution can even lead to death, and God, I pray right now, um, certainly in the United States, but even abroad, Lord, for all of those that, that are dying and are being killed right now, in large part because they worship you or, or give lip service to you. Oh, God, we just pray for your mercy. We pray for, for your presence. I pray, Lord, for the persecuted church. I pray for those that are martyrs. Lord, I've heard before that the martyrs are the seed blood of the church and the body of Christ. Oh, God, thank you for those that have given their lives. Thank you for those that are in prison today, for a, the pastor that's there in Iran that's, that's been in prison for years and his health is so falling. Oh, God, we sometimes live removed from it. Would you just speak to us, speak to our hearts, cause us to be intercessors, cause us to pray for those that are at risk and those that are hurting and those that are being persecuted. And Lord Jesus, give us hearts to intercede and to love. Oh, Jesus, the days ahead, whatever you bring, let them be a time of joy in the midst of whatever as we focus upon you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.